Hey, and welcome to the Humanity Church Podcast. So excited that you're here. We hope that you enjoy this week's talk and it really connects to your life in a meaningful way. If you're live in the Pomona area, we would love to have you at one of our gatherings at 10 a.m. or at one of our humanity groups that meet all throughout the week all over the city. If you want more information about our community, you can go to www.humanitychurch.com or download our app on your phone on Apple or Android. If you like what you're hearing here and want to continue to support the ongoing work at Humanity, you can text the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977 and give back financially in just about 10 seconds. Hey, and here's this week's talk that was given live at our Sunday gathering at Humanity Church. Good morning. Uh- My name is Leslie, and I am the operations pastor here at Humanity Church, and I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. All right. Woohoo. Thank you. When I was in my mid-20s, so a couple minutes ago, I was um, newly married and trying to get pregnant, and I had big plans of having three kids before I was 30, and I was actively pursuing those plans. So a couple years went by, and I had no baby. And a well-meaning person gave me this verse, and so I want to share this verse with you today. It's Matthew 7, 7 and 8. It says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. When I heard it, I was reminded that I was given that verse also when I was 13, At that time, I really thought it was like a premonition over my life that everything I asked for I would get. Um, That sounds ridiculous now, but I was 13, and I thought it was a a good uh, interpretation of the verse. But in my 20s, it, like, actually really ticked me off because I'd been praying for a few years. I had a lot of people praying. I'd had a lot of tests done, and some of those tests are kind of (laughs) awful. And all that stuff seemed to me like asking and seeking and, and knocking. And the only thing I knew for sure is that there was no medical reason why I wasn't getting pregnant. So I'm sure you can imagine or even relate what it must feel like to be so desperately wanting something and just not getting it and not even really getting an answer about it. And then someone tells you to, to ask and you're like, well, no, duh. I mean, I did ask, I have been asking. Um, so it like irritated me, but also I was curious because up until that point, I had just taken it at face value. Ask, seek, knock, receive. Like the perfect recipe for those of us that follow Jesus to have what we want. And I was like, that, what's up? You know, I, what are you trying to say, God? Like, what does this verse mean? And so over time, I started to really think about it and engage it. And I realized that this is an instruction in prayer. So you might be familiar with the verse where Jesus says, pray like this, and he teaches the Lord's prayer. But also in Matthew, he's saying, this is how to pray. In the scriptures, Jesus warns against self-righteous prayers, and he tells us that our prayer should be humble in seeking the Lord's heart. He wants us to understand that our prayer is a cry to the Father's heart from dependent children. But, so this verse is saying, ask and keep on asking, Seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking because prayer is not like a one and done. I don't know if you've ever prayed like that, but you're like, you say your prayer and then you're like, okay, God, like you got it. I'm ready, you know, bring it on. But we're told to ask and keep on asking with the full assurance that God hears us 
and he answers the prayers that are offered up in faith and in his will. Sometimes I think we forget the in his will part and we're actually asking maybe for our own will. I mean, that's what I do. I hope you're like me. But for me, I was asking specifically for pregnancy. But the desire of my heart was for children and for family. But I was only considering one way of that to happen. But do you ever pray like that and you're just like, you're just praying for one way. You're not praying for the thing that you want at the core of it. I don't know. I've, um, I'm wondering if for me at that time, I hadn't considered all the things that God might have for me. I mean, are you ever up for recognizing all the new and different things that God could be trying to do in your life if you would broaden just praying in his will for your life? We're to seek and keep on seeking so that we can know the truth. I think a lot of time we're seeking an answer, but maybe not the truth. Sorry. Um, But we're to seek the truth through the word of God. And the scriptures tell us that those that seek the truth will not be disappointed. God is constantly showing me that he cares about my desires, but often he has more for me than I can imagine. But sometimes I'm actually limiting what's possible in my asking and seeking. And what about you? I mean, are you open for whatever God's up for and whatever God is gonna do in your life? Our seeking is designed to help us grow in grace and in knowledge. In Proverbs 25, it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. And we're called to be kings and priests and to show his glory to the world. So the deeper our relationship grows with God, the more we realize that we're called into a royal priesthood and then it becomes a privilege to seek it out. The scripture says to knock and keep on knocking with patience and perseverance and confidence and humility, even when your faith is zapped and even when your heart feels faint because our hearts get faint, you know? Um, We often don't like what's happening in the moment. And in this journey, I lost my faith, I would say several times. (laughs) Um, I thought my faith was unbreakable, but it wavers. And I, I can imagine, like, you get to places, too, where your faith wavers. Sometimes I think God's listening, not listening, sorry, or that he doesn't even care. But do you ever find yourself in a place where you're, you're just weary? I mean, you just can't see past where you are in the moment. The testing of our faith, or the knocking, is designed to develop our perseverance so that we can become mature and lacking nothing. God has actually in the scriptures promised to answer the prayers of all those who diligently seek him. But let's be honest, sometimes we're just self-indulgent or we're half-hearted or it's just simply the formula that we're following. A lot of times our prayers sound like this, like, dear God, please give me a better job. Or God, just fix my finances. Sometimes it's God, bring me a man. You know, I don't know, or a woman. Um, But We're praying for a miracle, I think, in those situations, but we're also praying for how we think it should look because we think it should look like a new job falling in our lap. Or, I mean, let's be honest, for the finances, we just want to win the lotto or have someone send us an anonymous check. But what if the miracle, what if the miracle is that God wants you to become light in the darkness at your job and he's gonna transform you? Or what if the miracle is in your finances that you become so focused and so determined and so disciplined that you create a plan for your life, you turn your finances around, you turn your family's finances around, and then you teach other people how to do it. You know, how often are you, are you up for asking God, what do you have for me in this current situation? 
What is the vision or plan that you wanna cultivate in me? What do you want me to pursue? In what ways do you wanna expand me? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but for me, those are like brave prayers. But we're praying, heal this ailment, God, um, instead of what you have for me in this ailment. Or so often we pray, like, heal me so you can be glorified. I love that. Because God can be glorified even if you're not healed. He might have something for you that doesn't look like healing, but it still glorifies him. Prayer is the greatest weapon that God's given us, and he's instructed us to pray without ceasing, and when all else fails, pray. My ask, seek, knock, repeat. It went on for six years. And in that time, I was diligent and half-hearted. I was faithful and faithless. I was patient and impatient. At one point, driving south on the 57 freeway, hysterically crying, yelling at God. I don't really recommend that because it's super unsafe because I couldn't even see the road. I'm like, forget it. You could just do whatever you want. And I think God's like, thank you. I think I will. (gasps) And I imagine he was like, finally, this girl is gonna trust me with what I have for her. Finally, even if she's like having a full-on temper tantrum. But he did answer my prayer and he answered it through adoption. He gave me the desire of my heart by having another mom hand me a beautiful blue-eyed baby boy with like the most perfect pink lips you ever saw in your whole life. And that sounds like a miracle. But you know what I think? I think the miracle is that God showed me that he could answer my prayer in a way that I had never considered and that he knew what was best for me. And this journey that I was on, my faith and my belief grew so much, way more than it could have grown if I would have just gotten what I asked for when I asked for it. Um, I saw tons of miracles. I'm gonna share just one with you. I was in an event, and um, while I was in the event, I had just this impression on my heart, and my sister had the same impression that my baby was in the room, and I was like, I'm pregnant. Um, I wasn't. And weeks later, I met this young girl. She had been at that event. She um, had been pregnant at that event. She hadn't told anyone she was pregnant. She was terrified. She had no idea what she was gonna do. And I just committed to pray for her. I didn't know what she was gonna do. And to be honest, I'd never considered adopting a baby, so I wasn't really thinking that. Um, but I, months later, after we met, she let Juan and I know that she had decided that she wanted us to be the parents of her baby and she had never met any other people. She'd never considered anyone else. And um, all these details, things like that, are coming together for this to happen for us. And I'm just like, I need it. I need reassurance. Juan, Juan literally is like, girl. And I'm like, I need a burning bush, Juan. And he's like, this is a burning bush. What are you talking about? And I mean, but like, have you ever been there where God is like working everything out for you and you're like, I can't see it. Are you sure? But I'll just say, like, I'm so grateful for hindsight because I, I go back to this moment all the time to remember that God shows up. I mean, if you just, if you know the story of the Israelites, the Jewish people still talk about moving to the promised land and that God showed them that land because we need reminders. And so God uses these times of waiting to to increase our faith for sure. Because when we wait for things, it's just easier to remember how they happened. You know, like the Israelites looking back and all that. But what if my story was like, I wanted a baby and I had a baby. 
It's not, I mean, I would have been done a lot sooner in this talk, but it's just not a great story, right? It's, you're like, I wish it was that. Um, but I do think one way God uses these times of waiting is just that we have real tangible things to point to so that we can remember and, and just to teach us of the things that we would miss out on if we did it our way. I think all the time about all the things I would miss out on if I would have just happened the way I wanted it to happen. But also I think he uses them to remind us that he hears our cries, he hears our petitions, and that he's very specific and very personal when he answers. I do wanna tell you that I ended up getting pregnant after nine years of trying, and that kid's super great too. So God answered that prayer also. Um, but it turns out I'm a super slow learner. That might be a newsflash for some of you. For others, you're like, mm-hmm. Um, but as I was preparing this talk, <laughs> Um, all the stuff started to happen with our building. And I was, we, as leaders, we were praying for very specific things and they weren't happening the way I wanted them to happen or the way I thought they should happen. And I just got in a funk. I was like, mm, I mean, where's God? Why isn't he doing what I want? And I met my community group sharing how I'm feeling. And my friend Ann just says, I really hear God saying that you need to seek him and let him lead you. And I'm like, okay, that's ironic that I'm writing this talk and God has to tell me that through another person. <laughs> right? He's helpful like that. But I'm just like, just to close up, I get so excited about what God could create through us, Humanity Church, if all of us together, not just leadership or some people, but all of us, we're like completely committed to being a community that prays for God's truth and wisdom and direction, and that we do it persistently, asking in faith, seeking diligently, knocking frequently, with, no, with the undeniable knowledge that God is a God that hears our prayers, has vision for us individually and collectively, not just for 21 days, but all the way into the future, and that he shows up. And I just wanna say, let's keep asking for the things that God has promised, and let's keep seeking after his truth and knocking on the door and test his good and perfect will. Um, I have questions for you. Actually, the first one's not a question. I, as you break into your little groups, what I'd like you to do first is, are you guys gonna put them on the screen? Is list um, some specific time, oh, that's a big no, okay. List some specific times and situations where God's been faithful to answer your prayers in the past. So just as a time of remembering to list those things out. And then um, the question that I have for you is what is one thing or area that you're praying for and what could be possible if you were to shift from the request to asking God, what he has for you, whatever that might be. All right, you guys can wrap up the last thoughts in those conversations. And come on back. Let's give Leslie a round of applause for that thought. Thank you, Leslie. Or is this your debut speaking? Yeah, awesome. I am Marla Neighbor. I am our Connections Pastor here at Humanity Church. You ready for round two? All right, let's do it. Fascinating fact for you. You can tuck this away. I used to, when I, when I went to PE in elementary school, a shout out to Coach Ellisor. She did these little fascinating facts every week. I live for those. So this is a little fascinating fact to tuck away. 110 billion people have ever existed on the planet. 110 billion people since the beginning of humanity. It's interesting. 
8 billion of those people, which you are a part of that number, are currently alive today. People scattered all throughout the earth in this very moment. Some awake, some asleep, some young, some old, most of them probably thinking where their next meal is or where they're going to get it, dreaming, worrying, searching. I mean, just imagine, just imagine for a moment all these different kinds of people all over the planet, hopeful, discouraged, despairing, in pain, in love, all kinds of people right this very second. Some of them, many of them, actually worshiping today in churches, temples, synagogues, mosques, living rooms, fields, all throughout the earth. It's pretty wild to think about. On all seven continents, even in Antarctica, they do things like that. Eight billion people. It kind of blows my mind when I think about it. It's a little too, like, too big for my brain to grasp in this very, you know, moment in time standing here with you that there are 8 billion people. It makes me think of like a a giant mountain of ants, you know, just like a bunch of us existing in the same place. And I've had some smattering of moments recently where I just had this thought like, man, I, I feel so small. I just feel so, sometimes so small. So insignificant, eight billion people. And I'm one of all of those that are walking around on this planet today. And sometimes I just feel really lost in that thought. Like like the world and the people in it are just like a blur, like moving, moving, moving ahead, moving forward, moving on with their lives, moving all around me. And here I am, you know, just doing my thing, wiping toddler butts and trying to survive and trying not to eat things I shouldn't, you know, woohoo, big dreams in life. And, and I just feel just, um, I don't know, unseen maybe at times. I had a friend who checked in on me a few months back and she asked me how I was doing and, and the response that kind of just popped out of my mouth unplanned was that I felt untethered. And when I said that word, untethered, it instantly came with this image that struck my mind. And I had this image of this little string that was connected to the earth and extended all the way up into the sky. And I was hanging on to the end of it. And my feet were above my head. And I was just kind of blowing where the wind was, untethered. And then this scripture is what brought me back to solid ground. This is from Acts 17, book of Acts, starting in verse 26. From one man, God made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. There are some translations that say on that last part that God decided exactly where they should live and he decided exactly when they should live. Verse 27, God did this so that they would seek him 
and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. God formed and he created and he placed 110 billion people from the beginning of time exactly where and exactly when they should be so that we would have the greatest possibility of knowing him. Though he is not far from any one of us, it's not because he's hiding. It's actually quite the opposite. God is literally doing everything in his power to set our lives up so that we would know him apart from him literally forcing us to make that choice to choose him. He is doing everything else in his power to set us up to know him because he is right around the corner. That is why he has you here now in the space online, wherever you are at or here in this room, California, in the United States, in 2021, in this very hour, in this place, for this purpose, so that you may know him more. (sighs) Wow, he sees you. Not only did he form you, but he has you in this hour, in this place, so that you might possibly reach for him. That is how much he loves you. And when I look back on my life, I see this massive trail of breadcrumbs that God has been leaving me out of his faithfulness so that I might one day know him. When I think back, I think of things like my parents' teachings and their nightly prayers by my bedside. I think about this sweet friend I had in high school who started a Bible study that was so lame and nobody wanted to go to it. And I just felt bad for her. So I went to all these Bible studies that I dreaded, honestly, but learned so much from. I remember in college, my best friend at the time getting placed with a roommate, like one of those random, randomly selected potluck roommates. Her name was Leslie. And she, she talked about Jesus like she knew him. And she was the first normal Christian I had met up until that point. I haven't actually met many since because a lot of you don't fall into that category either. But she was relatable and she turned my head towards Jesus. I remember shortly after that, another breadcrumb signing up for a house building 10-day trip, service trip to Juarez, Mexico, and then finding out after I was already on the bus that it was a missions trip, unbeknownst to me, and then I'm hearing my team members share the gospel of Jesus to every family that we were serving over and over all day, every day for 10 days, caked in dirt, and that was a defining moment in my life yet another breadcrumb that God left me. There's a lot of examples I could tell you, but I have often felt, Jesus, why me? Why me? For those of you who know Jesus, do you ever feel that? You're like, why do I get to know him? Like if all the people on the planet, you know, why do I get that 
honor, like that privilege. Why me? It is the greatest gift that you could ever have in your entire life. Why do I, of all these people, Lord, why do I get to know you? And then I felt like he said, Marla, that is the question that every person living and breathing gets to ask me and wonder about is, wow, why me? And it's an amazing gift to get to even ask that. But you know, I used to, I used to stay up late at night, like stomach and knots over this idea that some phenomenal, sweet grandpa in the bush of Africa or some young woman who was my age somewhere in some tiny village in India might not have the chance to know Jesus. And that just felt so wrong to me. But then, apart from the idea that I really believe that if you've ever had that on your heart, that God is specifically calling you to actually go and to be a part of that response or to give in a big way towards supporting that. But apart from that, I started traveling and I was blown away to my core at the number of stories that exist all over the world of the ways that God has brought people to know him. It is unbelievable when you get outside of your bubble and you see the way God is moving in this planet, it will rock you to your core. And stories about people coming to know Jesus through dreams, people coming across one scrap of paper that was torn from a Bible that somehow made it into this village that said Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the light, and the whole village comes to know him. I mean, I just spoke with a friend uh, a few weeks back who is very well connected around the planet, and there are insane movements of people coming to know Jesus in the most unreached places on this planet. And that is all happening here and now because of the way God set things up. I will never forget in college, my friend Lian told me the story of how she was in her apartment in China and she was in a desperate space. She was sobbing and through tears, she looks out her window and she sees a tree. And on that tree, she starts thinking, she gets waylaid by this thought that those leaves on that tree are so intricate and nature is so detailed and so ordered. Surely there must be a sovereign creator that made that tree. And if there's a creator that made that tree, then maybe there's also a creator that made me. And you know what's interesting is that China is now sending more Jesus-loving missionaries to America than we are now sending to China. We may think that because we are surrounded by churches, 403 registered churches in Pomona alone, we are surrounded by resource and opportunity and voices. But you know what else we're surrounded by? We're surrounded by entitlement and thinking that we know it all, independence, money, 
and a lot of distraction and noise. But he is still speaking, even in the United States, not just around the world. The last verse, verse 28 in this chapter, it says, For in God we live and move and have our being. As some of your own prophets have said, we are his children. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking to a group of people who do not know God, telling him from their own poet's words that their poet said, for in God we live and move and have our being. We are his children. So they didn't know him, but they did. They just didn't realize that they knew him. Because for each one of us, there is a conversation that God is already in with each and every one of you. And for each of the people that you long to connect to God, he is in a conversation with you. So the question is, are you listening? Are you listening to what he is in conversation with you about? Each of us have that persistent, sometimes nagging voice that's inside of us, that's nudging us towards life, towards him. That is God. That is him leading you back to a moment and even this moment where you just might possibly choose him. So your two questions, and you can turn around to the nearest neighbor that you caught last time or you can turn the other direction and catch another one. You can shake things up a little bit, reach out to the person in front of you. Couple questions to consider. One, in what ways can you see that God has set your life up to know him? Breadcrumbs. What are the breadcrumbs in your life that God has set up for you? Two, who is someone in your life that you care about that seems far from hope? And then just take a moment. You can say their name or not. It's up to you with the person you're with. But just identify at least one person that you care about that seems far from hope. And then just take a moment together with the one, two, or three people you're with and pray for that person. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Humanity Church Podcast. We hope that this was a meaningful experience and we look forward to connecting again next week for another conversation around what it looks like to live by faith, to be known by love, and to be a voice of hope. Again, for more information about Humanity Church, you can visit us online at humanitychurch.com. And if you want to support the ongoing work here at Humanity Church, including this podcast, you can give online in about 10 seconds by texting the word Humanity Church, one word, to 77977. Thanks and have an amazing week.